welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stress and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMA markets. It's Tuesday, July the 25th, and I'm Caterina Dassier. And I'm Phoebe Pinkting. Coming up this week, we will be discussing embattled Swedish real estate company SBB, which has seen its bonds fall by two to three points after talks with Brookfield about the sale of a 51% stake in its social infrastructure portfolio ceased. Then, we will talk about Leone becoming the first major company to complete a restructuring plan under the German Corporate Stabilization and Restructuring Act. Finally, we will discuss tomorrow's primary webinar and the highlights of the market this week. But first, we will look at what triggered a recent sell-off in the debtor Voltis. In France, the debt of one of the major telecoms providers, Altis, has fallen sharply in the secondary market. I asked senior editor Magnus Sherman what is causing the weakness in Altis's debt. Yeah, so the bonds of Altis France and International began declining at the start of uh, last week after the Portuguese police launched a fraud investigation and searched the offices of Altis Portugal, which is a subsidiary of Altis International. That took place on the 13th of July. And Amando Pereira, who is the co-founder and COO of um, Altis, he was also detained as part of that. Um Altis International clarified last week that uh, Altis Portugal is has allegedly been defrauded, so they're the victim of this. And um, they said that uh, they are working uh, with the Portuguese authorities and have also decided to put several key le- legal representatives and managers on leave while this investigation is taking place. They have, on top of that, launched their own investigation in Portugal and in other jurisdictions uh, to review processes. And they are reinforcing um, the way they process procurement and payment and purchased orders in Portugal and at the Altice International level. Um, the sister company, Altice France, said also last week that it has started its own investigation and hired outside counsel to assess um, if there are any impacts on Altice France. Altis France has also uh, begun uh, reinforcing the approval process on, on different types of payments. So, We don't know much about the actual um, alleged uh, illegal activity, but the companies, without confirming anything, are pointing to these, um, th- this area of the business. And the, um, the, the detention of the COO and this investigation took a, a weight very heavily on the LTS France bonds. We should remember that these were not in no way at par before this happened, depending on which bond you look at. They were sort of in the, in the 80s. Um, and the subordinated bonds fell the most um, to the high 30s and they're now yielding sort of around mid mid 30s on um, on average uh, at the bottom of the capital structure uh, the, the the yield on the senior opco bonds has been more stable around 12 13% at the LTS France level um Altis France came under more pressure generally because there had already been some corporate governance concerns and the leverage is higher uh, at more than six times. And it just has so much debt. It has around um, 24 billion euros of, of debt um, 
But a number of, of people I've spoken to, they're pointing out to a number of, of positives. One is this point about uh, the liabilities uh, that there may be from this alleged fraud. They could be quite limited because um, LTS Portugal is the victim in this. So it's not clear if there will be any sort of big fines put on the company. Um, Plus, at LTS France, um, they don't have any bond maturities or maturities in general before 2025. And even before and after that, it's 2027 before any sort of maturity wall starts um, starts to materialize for, for that company. So it has quite a lot of time left before it has to do something um, with, the, uh, with the debt. LTS International, uh, the um, the senior bonds there are yielding around nine percent, and the subordinated debt, uh, which is a twenty twenty eight note paying four point seven five percent, is already back up at sixty. Um, that's fifteen points higher than last week, where it traded at um, forty five cents. Um, at the um, at sort of the, the peak of all this um, all this uh, confusion around what's happening in in Portugal, which a lot of people are saying it's an overreaction. Uh, there isn't a need to um, to sell off at these levels, but um, but then again, we just don't know what uh, what the extent of this alleged crime is uh, in the Portugal or in the international LTS level. So we will have to um, to wait and see. But it's one we're paying more attention to. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Aurelia, there's been some news about embattled Swedish real estate company SBB last week, and we have seen bonds weaken about two to three points across the structure since last Thursday. Can you tell us what's happening? Hello. Yes, so last Friday, SPB made a series of announcements, uh, one of which was that, unfortunately for the company, talks with Brookfield about the sale of a 51% stake in the social infrastructure portfolio for public education, also known as EDUCO, have stopped. And the company was hoping that the proceeds from the sale would show up its liquidity and help it to get to the um, eight, about 8 billion Swedish krona, that's about uh, 700 million euros, um, that it needs to fund cash uses that are expected for the next 12 months. So given the sale discussions of Brookfield have uh, ceased, at least for the moment, uh, we don't know, maybe there's still a possibility that um, they resume, or, you know, could be a disagreement about uh, the price, presumably. Um, but anyway, uh, SBB might need to resort to other sources to bridge the cash shortfall as a result. On Friday, it also said that it created a new subsidiary called SBB Residential Property and entered into a capital raise agreement with Morgan Stanley Real Estate Investing. And under this agreement, um, the newly created subsidiary, so SVB Residential Property, will issue about 2.36 billion Swedish krona um, preference shares to Morgan Stanley Real Estate Investing. That's about 175 million euros. And the proceeds from this transaction would strengthen SVB's liquidity um, and provide it with further flexibility for an ongoing strategic review that it announced at the end of May. Okay, 
And the company has also previously made announcements about certain asset sales, as far as I remember. So where are we in terms of cash available to meet maturities and fund other users of cash? Yes, so our um, analyst Shenda has looked into this and um, if we do the maths, we get to a pro forma liquidity of about 14.2 billion Swedish krona or about 1.2 billion euros um, pro forma liquidity at the end of the second quarter. Uh, that's taking into account certain asset sales, um, letters of intent it has signed with some tenants the earnings capacity and the capital raise I mentioned earlier. You can see the details on Reorg, of course. We have a nice table that lays this out. Okay, so why is a group of bondholders not very satisfied with the situation at the moment? And who are they? Yes, so <clears throat> there's a group of bondholders. Uh, they hold about 2 billion of euros, 2 billion euros of the bonds. Uh, we don't actually know uh, which bonds exactly. Um, but the group consists of uh, investors including Polus, Anchorage, Sona, BlackRock, Elliott, Diameter and Man Group. And they are working with uh, PJT as their financial advisor and Writing Case as their lawyer. The latter has sent a, a letter to the company demanding a hold to asset sales or material asset sales um, and further equity raises without consulting the creditors. They also want the company to appoint two new board members and a chief restructuring officer. In short, I think they just want to have more of a say in what the company is doing to ensure its financial stability and, of course, prevent it from potentially doing things that could take value away from the bondholders. Are there any triggers to force the company to the negotiating table? Yeah, this is an interesting question. So, sort of, um, there's been a dispute between creditors and the company about whether it has breached an interest coverage ratio covenant at the end of the first quarter. Basically, what happened is that SVB changed the method, um, how the method it used to calculate the coverage ratio. Um, and by changing the method, it complied with the covenant. Uh, if it would have used the old method, it would have breached it. So technically, individual bondholders can accelerate after a 90-day grace period, uh, which ended already at the end of June. However, um, our REOG lawyers have looked into this and it looks like there's nothing in the prospectus preventing the company from changing the method to calculate this covenant. So although you could argue this is, uh, seems a bit unfair to the creditors, um, that's the legal situation. So anyway, the bondholder group is still threatening to accelerate if SVB doesn't make progress on their demands. And for sure, it's probably safe to assume that SVB uh, would like to avoid, avoid a court process to determine whether there's been a covenant breach or not. So, so I do think there's a bit of um, a bit of a whip, so to say, to to get the company to the negotiating table. So we'll see what happens and where negotiations end up. Thank you, Aurelia. This week, Leoni became the first major company to complete a restructuring plan under the German Corporate Stabilization and Restructuring Act, also known as Stagrag. 
We have legal reporter Connor Lovell with us today to talk about what happened. But first, Connor, do you mind telling us what is the SAGRAG and why is this case important? So the SAGRAG is Germany's answer to the European directive which aimed to harmonize restructuring frameworks across the EU. In common with similar measures in France, the Netherlands, Spain and the UK, the SAGRAG provides provisions for cross-class cramdown of dissenting creditors. This means that you can approve a plan without the consent of every single class of creditors or shareholders. However, so far, the tool has been not used very much by distressed companies. And so far, the largest German candidates for cross-border restructurings, notably Adler Real Estate, have opted to use an English restructuring plan instead because this is more established. The first story we're aware of, another real estate co company called Evan Group, collapsed before creditors could even vote on the plan. And another company, on top of that, the fashion chain Jerry Weber, has launched a restructuring plan under Starug, but it hasn't been finalised yet. So the first restructuring plan um, under Starug sets an important precedent. It's, it's a very big deal for the German market. Great. So what did Leoni propose? The proposal was relatively straightforward. Lenders are subject to a 708 million euro haircut in exchange for 45% of the equity in the new group. An existing minority shareholder will take majority control of the group and will inject 150 million euros of new equity. All the other shareholders will be wiped out. This last point is pretty important because it's the shareholders who challenged the approval of the plan and unsuccessfully appealed the decision to confirm the plan. And on what basis did the shareholders challenge the plan and why did they fail? That's a good question. The shareholders initially argued that they would be worse off under the plan than they would be in an insolvency. This, quote, no worse off test, unquote, is common to all new restructuring tools implemented following the EU directive. But the court looked at the valuation evidence, which suggested that the equity was underwater by 600 million and therefore worth nothing. By contrast, under the plan, the group would have a going concern value of about 450 million euros. The court said it was therefore logically impossible for the shareholders to be worse off than zero and then therefore they approved the cram down of the shareholders. However, after this, some shareholders filed, filed an appeal against the decision. They said the reduction of their equity interest to zero entailed an irreversible disadvantage that was disproportionate to the benefits of the restructuring. Crucially, the shareholders told the court that they didn't actually want to stop the plan, but rather to negotiate a higher recovery for themselves. The court was very clear about this approach, which it said bordered on an abuse of process. The judge said that any disadvantage under the plan has to be balanced against the preservation of jobs and the continued existence of the company, something which the judge said the shareholders were clearly not interested in and had failed to demonstrate. Thank you, Connor. Tomorrow, Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mavroleon, legal director Brian Conway and analyst Charlie Ward will discuss in a webinar trends in the primary market so far this year and expectations for the rest of the year. I had a chat earlier today with Beatrice to understand a few highlights ahead of tomorrow's conversation and of the primary market so far this week. Here is what she said. So the, the first half of this year marked a recovery in issuance, but it was largely dominated by refinancings and A&Es. That enabled issuers to extend their maturity profiles, but higher interest rates meant the coverage ratios dropped. 
Tomorrow we're going to discuss issuance volumes, yields and coverage ratios in addition to drivers for issuance, the pipeline for the rest of the year, expectations for further amend and extend deals, and slow expected <clears throat> recovery of M&A and LBO activity. Brian will also provide some discussion on areas where investors have seen um, changes to covenants and where greatest pushback has taken place, as well as points of likely concern going forward. This week, we've seen UK food retailer Iceland come to the primary market with 475 million equivalent um, of notes split between the sterling fixed rate tranche and um, euro floating rate notes. The company has performed well with increases in sales over recent months. However, leverage is high and EBITDA margins have come under pressure from rising costs, in particular energy costs, although this seems to be subsiding now. Last week, German software group uh, Software AG launched a 1 billion euro equivalent dual tranche term loan B to fund its acquisition by Silver Lake. The deal is one of a few leveraged buyouts to have come to the market over recent months and is expected to be followed by two more take private LBOs short, shortly after the summer. Irish energy group Energia also priced the 600 million euro senior secured notes with the proceeds earmark, earmarked for refinancing. The, the company will also pay a dividend, although this will be funded with cash from its balance sheet. Rain Carbon, a producer of carbon and chemical products, is marketing a three-and-a-half-year extension of its 390 million term loan B due in uh, January 2025. And a loan-to-bond refinancing for an issuer in the chemical sector is currently in pre-marketing. However, this deal has challenging fundamentals and, may, and it may take some time before it's, uh, it's syndicated across the market. So as mentioned, join Reorg tomorrow for our review of the primary market during the first half of the year. And also join Reorg on July the 28th at 11 a.m. BSD as we discuss the background to Thames Water's recent travels and discuss what may lie ahead for the company, its shareholders and creditors. Register for the webinars on Reorg.com or email marketing for more information. Joint thousands of industry professionals using ESGX by Reorg to address regulatory reporting and underwrite investments with ESG. Visit reorg.com ESGX now to request a trial. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. More information on all the situation and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next week for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. Thank you.